everyone, I'm Taffney Hopper, and you're listening to Talking Nonprofits, a podcast about the world of nonprofits. Follow along so you too can learn how to make a difference in your community. Today we have two guests, Zul Bailey and Philippa Solis, both of El Paso Pro Musica. Here's a snapshot of Zul Bailey. Zul is widely considered one of the premier cellists in the world. A Grammy Award winner, distinguished soloist, recitalist, chamber musician, and teacher. His rare combination of celebrated artistry, technical wizardry, and engaging personality has secured his place as one of the most sought after and active cellists today. He is also a professor of the cello at University of Texas El Paso. He has been a guest artistic director at the, Uni- at the Mesa Art Center in Arizona. And while he's here today, he's the artistic director of El Paso Pro Musica. Welcome, Zul. Stephanie, it's amazing to be here today. And can you believe that I've actually been the artistic director of El Paso Pro Musica for 20 years now? 20 years. This That's the longest I've ever lived in any community in my entire life, and I am thrilled to be an El Paso. Oh, I've been here for 20 years too. So we've got here around the same time. So let's let's hear a little bit about Philippa, the executive director. Philippa has more than 30 years of broadcast experience having worked at KTSM, News Channel 9, the NBC affiliate in El Paso. She formerly wrote articles for the City Magazine and hosts film festivals in El Paso, Sitka, Alaska, and Spokane, Washington. Among her numerous honors are the LULAC Humanitarian of the Year Award, the YWCA REACH Award, and the Ruben Salazar Journalism Award. She currently serves as the Executive Director of El Paso Pro Musica, and I miss you being on NBC talking about those great movies, Philippa. Oh, Tiffany, it's wonderful to be here, and it's wonderful to um, represent such an amazing organization with so much history in our community, and unbelievable to even think and fathom that Zul Bailey has been here 20 years. I remember the first time interviewing him on Channel 9 when he first got here, and he was so overwhelming and such a vital force just in the studio, and he had just finished completing the final season episode on the HBO hit series, Oz. So we all said, oh, someone great like this, he'll be here maybe six months. And so to be able to see him here for 20 years, it's quite a feat to behold. And um, a wonderful thank you to El Paso because El Paso has been such an engaging and warm and hospitable place, but so wonderful that Zul has recognized that and has continued to make El Paso his home. So what keeps you here? Is it the mountains? Or is it a uh, Chico's Tacos? <laughs> <laughs> it's the people. Okay. You know, it, it's, it, is, it is the people here. I, 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 it's hard to describe El Paso because El Paso, uh, to other people outside of this area, seems like a small little town. They don't realize it's almost 800,000 people and, and a walking border with millions of people in Juarez, Mexico. It's also very unique that it's where two countries and three states meet. It is unlike any other place I've ever been. The sunsets are something that even Gone with the Wind would be blushing at. And before times, let's see, I used to, we now call it BC, before Corona, when I would travel a lot uh, and I would get on that direct flight from either Chicago or LA or, or Dallas and the next stop was El Paso. I couldn't wait to land here at home in this beautiful city. 
Yes, it is beautiful. And I love the sunsets and the sunrises. So let's talk a little bit more about El Paso Pro Musica. On your site, your mission states that it is devoted to making the art of chamber music available to our community by bringing world-renowned artists to the light and educate our audiences. How do you bring that mission to fruition? When I, when I first landed here in El Paso and El Paso Pro Musica approached me of, as being um, a leader for this organization, they used a terminology which was very inspiring to me that they wanted me to sculpt the cultural landscape of the region. Um, you know, until that point, I was in my 20s at that point, um, I had been very cello centric. Um, the cello to me is a torch that kind of lights the path to the, the future and to the, the forward momentum, but I didn't realize how it's insignificant in the bigger picture the cello actually is. Um, the cello led to me thinking outside the box with this city. The first thing we did was recognize that none of the organizations were working together in this, in this city. None of the organizations were partnering. We all had our, our special treasures that we were doing, but we're all stronger together. You know, the, the, the Hillary Clinton sentence, it takes a village. It really kind of struck me. Uh, and so one of our first missions was to think outside of just music or art or culture, because without the arts, what are we really in humanity? We don't have expression. We don't have things that bring us together um, to inspire us. So within the first few years, <clears throat> we began working very closely with the El Paso Symphony. I've always called the symphony of any city the true heartbeat of our fingerprint of a city because the, the, the symphony uh, in, in any region is a rallying of the people that live in the city that get together to be inspired to then go out in the community daily and teach in the schools. So that is very important and vital to have a, a healthy functioning. In fact, as you probably know, our El Paso wonderful symphony is the oldest symphony in Texas. So we have, we have a treasure here. Our job, as we identify very quickly, is to then be able to feature on a smaller scale, meaning for chamber music, recitalists in chamber music, musicians from around the world, but to bring them in to then join the heartbeat of this community in the symphony, as well as the opera. And then we start realizing, why don't we have our backdrop since some of the greatest music that we have out there is for thematic material for cinema and theater. Why don't we have our backdrop be our wonderful museum here in town and so forth and so on. So one of our first achievements was rallying all of the arts organizations to work together. And that didn't take very long, just a few years of us all really holding hands. And the way it shaped the next few years was miraculous because that then attracted the educational component of how we all go into the community together through even UTEP. Um, and we became, I became the professor of cello at the University of Texas, which over the years has turned into El Paso Promisco now being on campus, where I am now the director of entrepreneurship for the, the, the school itself. So uh, we're leading by example. And uh, that, that old saying, the grass is greener where you water it is very, very true here in El Paso because being in a city that does not have a feeder city, 
Now, let me, let me explain that. So I grew up in Washington, DC. So Richmond, Virginia, the South, Baltimore, Philadelphia, they were all kind of this, the, the river runs through it. So people could go to concerts and, and go to events and do all the things, and all, but, but there was always a current that ran through it to other places. If El Paso doesn't take care of itself and be very responsible for it, we won't have anything because there is no feeder city for El Paso. We are all we have. And so our mission basically became to focus on community and rallying the community to get together, to be inspired, to move forward with hope and invigoration to do more for its community. And I cannot believe, this is my 20th year, and I can't believe that Philippa Solis has been at the helm for her 10th year now, and we are just getting started. The things that we set in place, now I'm sure the next, the next question you're going to ask is what, what happened with COVID? and all of these things. Well, I can answer that very quickly. We've been preparing for a futuristic look on how to bring education and the arts to society in different ways for a decade. We had already in place a way to virtually access more students and to access informances, which are information performances and outreach. One of our missions is to reach as many children and as many people as we can with our visiting artists. So we would make concerts virtual and send them out to Carrizozo or Ridoso or Cloudcroft or Albuquerque or wherever. Little did we know that the world was going to kind of reverse our um, priorities and make the things that we were getting ready for first and foremost. So we were shockingly ready for this kind of, what we first saw as a dark period and a numb period. All we had to do was ignite what we were already doing. And the numbers have been phenomenal. Instead of me going to a school and playing for 300 kids at a time, I'm now playing for six to 7,000 kids at a time. And I can reach so many more per day. And then more importantly, now our visiting artists can reach them as well from wherever they are to prepare them for their own visits when they visit our wonderful city. So as you can hear in my voice, there's a lot of hope, not only with the vaccines, but the fact is, is that this, this chapter has prepared us to be better and stronger and more resilient and more flexible, but more importantly, more grateful for what we have and that we have to take care of it because we could lose it if we're not careful. And so we, we, we actually decided to dedicate this season to thanking people. It's, it, was, it was way beyond survival. We have been so fortunate to be so, oh my gosh, fiscally responsible trusted, known for bringing simply the best here that inspires so deeply that this time for us was about thanking this deep support that this community has given us. So we created a virtual series for the entire year, knowing full well that if the vaccine had come months ago, we could have popped into face-to-face -face concerts like we always do. But all of our concerts this year are free. 
They're free to our supporters and our community who've been part of the fabric of El Paso Pro Musica. And every time we do these things, they're so personally driven, everything from jazz to collaborating with the Sphinx organization from Detroit to uh, our affiliation with Johns Hopkins and the Peabody Institute of Music in Baltimore, to celebrating Beethoven's 250th birthday, to having live events, not just streamed performances, but actual live events from New York that are catered to our audiences, which we just had with the wonderful singing siren, Shelley Watson the other night. We are really, in my opinion, uh, cutting edge and showing how it's done in an incredibly healthy way. I, I couldn't be more proud to work with Philippa, our board, our director's circle, this community, and all the other arts groups that are really holding on to each other because the, I, we can not only see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's very bright. All right. So I'm going to take, give this one to Philippa. What are some obstacles that you have faced since you're the executive director of a Paso Pro Music and how did you overcome them? Well, you know, it's very interesting because in just a little bit of like 10 second history, my life kind of came full circle because I grew up in a family of dancers and musicians and artists. So this was my world growing up. And I chose a different direction, but art, music, dance was always in my universe, even when I was on television news. And one of the fun things we used to do was promote the community. And that's how I always stayed active in the arts. Um, with that said, then the next chapter that brought on El Paso Pro Musica was kind of almost a natural scheme of things for me because of course I'm going to do this because I understand what goes on backstage. I understand what is faced by the artists when they're on stage, what their needs, what um, the audience is striving for. There, there are things that I grew up knowing automatically because it was just part of my universe. And with that, that made things very exciting, very nurturing and very uh, comforting because it was part of my universe. It's always sustainability as you talk to nonprofits all the time is always the difficult challenge, um, whether it is because of the economy, uh, whether we're in, as in a global pandemic. Uh, the global pandemic hit a week after possibly one of the most successful concerts we had ever really done. He'd come before during Zool's tenure here, but Itzhak Perlman was here on March 3rd of 2020. And on March 13th, everything shut down. On about March 10th, his agency announced that he would not be performing for the rest of the year and the season. So it was his last concert right before the pandemic. And it was kind of our last, it was going to be our last concert of the season. We were gonna end it early and do special events and whatnot, but it was a blessing and such a, wondrous thing that um, Zool programmed this concert when he did and it was just kind of surreal and it was just um, who who would have known that this was going to be the end game and so naturally in talking to all the arts organizations 
keeping people afloat, uh, keeping our audiences engaged, because this is all new. I wouldn't have been able to construct a Zoom meeting to save my soul in January of 2020. <laughs> I can barely work my toaster. But we've we've gained so many insights. So I think, like Zul says, with the light very bright at the end of the tunnel, the glass is half full. And although it's sometimes so very difficult in the best of times and in the worst of times, the beautiful thing is the collaboration being key to what we do with El Paso Pro Musica and what we do with other organizations. Uh, we do e-blasts, we promote each other, we want to take care of each other and make sure that we're all thriving. Um, as you well know, last week we provided music. Zul played all six box suites at the Kelly Center for Hunger Relief. And that's touching hundreds of people. It's touching the families that have to be served in the worst of times, the employees, the volunteers who take time out and are actually putting their lives on the line to make sure that people have food on their table for their children. And music just opens it all up because it's a connector. It makes everyone feel comfortable. And if they've recognized Zool and they know Zool, it just, they'll roll down their window going, oh my gosh, is that him? And he's under a canopy playing his carbon fiber cello. And so when we look at obstacles, sure, we have obstacles, but we also have to look at the end game of the, the gifts that we can give through the power of music. So whatever obstacles we have, hopefully that musical gift will override those obstacles and in the end provide a beautiful sustained community for all. I can add one thing. I think the, the, the biggest thing beyond all the wonderful things she just said, that the most difficult thing I think for Philippa, when I speak on her behalf and all of us, is that she is a whirlwind and she's hands-on and she's a community rallier. And for all of us to be separated and isolated during this time and to not be able to physically embrace our people mm -hmm. was very hard at first. That was, I think, the most difficult thing is to, to not feel safe being together um, because that's what the arts do. They bring us together. Um, and so to try to exercise and develop a new set of muscles to connect to people via this medium is something we've all had to kind of evolve with. <clears throat> like she said, all of us, nobody used Zoom. I used, I used Skype occasionally to teach on the road in emergency times when I couldn't be here before a recital or whatnot to teach, but we didn't have meetings on Zoom. We didn't have happy hour on Zoom. We didn't meet with our board meetings on Zoom. I feel and I see there's a much more of a comfort zone now than there was of course eight months ago. And that's just the human spirit and we're in comfort. But the first few months, I would say that was the hardest part is isolation and not being able to touch other human beings, whether it be shake their hand, give them a hug, kiss their cheek, you know, just greet them as we have as a society for our entire lives. And also being scared that we might hurt our loved ones by doing something stupid, by not wearing our masks or doing something because of just not having the correct information. Very scary time. I think we know better now, but uh, it's only taken nine months. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I get you. I'm always on Zoom and, and things like that, but I, I really get the isolation part because you do want to touch people. You want to hug people. You want to kiss people. You, you just, that human touch is so important. So important. What Zul said about the beginning of the pandemic, I, for some reason, just on a personal note, the beginning of the pandemic, it, it put, it forced me into just kind of a, a overdrive mode where in essence, our season was over. And so we had some special events that uh, we didn't do, that we postponed, and we continued in working this universe. What hit me hardest, and I look at it now, was around Labor Day and around September, early October, when we would have normally started our season. And that was just kind of a the punch going, oh my gosh, we would be feeling Fox Fine Arts Recital Hall. We would be running around and I'd be putting up posters and doing shows like these. And that stopped. And that part was exceptionally hard because that was the real, wow, now you're having to recreate the wheel. Now, this is all new. Last year, your concerts were over. So you were doing the, the musical Lord's work, but now, now this is the season. How do you how do you get out of the bubble that you have to be in in order to make this a success? And uh, fortunately, like Zul mentioned with last week's concert and what we've been doing, uh, we figured out how to do it. And there were moments where those first couple of concerts, um, just hoping that people who are sitting in the comfort of their living rooms can hit that button and it comes up. I was, mm, and and then it happens, and you're like. Whew. But you've touched people's lives because uh, they too want to go out. They want to go to the concert hall and um, they don't want to sit six feet apart from their friends. No, you don't. So speaking of Fox Recital Hall and all of that, if you could remove all barriers and constraints, what project would you do next after COVID? What, what big project would you guys work on? Music is medicine. Now more than ever, um, music that has soothed and healed, we've developed via Zoom and via um, all of our technology, wonderful relationships with the Alzheimer's Association, with hospice, with um, some of the hospitals, uh, with some of our senior centers, uh, where this music, there was a scenario where there was a woman in hospice who was going to have the opportunity to watch a video with Zool and that was the twilight of her life and she wanted to get dressed up and put makeup on and her nurse was going to have her laptop in front of her to watch this music and she wanted to prepare for a concert and that is so overwhelming but to watch when we could go to Texas Oncology and see people in radiation and in chemotherapy and how everything calms down when Zool is at, um, let's say the hospitals of Providence or UMC and he's in the NICU units and you see the oxygen level stabilize, the heart level stabilize, doctors and nurses are in awe of the power of music that 
for me is something, and when artists come in from out of town and they can go and play for people who never hear music and who can have this as their um, link. We've worked with Via Maria. There are women who, unfortunately, things happen in their lives and they just stepped out of an incarcerated situation to be able to bring music to them. The healing powers of music. I would love to just put one giant musical red carpet over the community and bring music to soothe, heal, and comfort at the worst of times. And then, you know, when you go through that hurdle, the music will be there in the best of times. So it's always there for you. That's my little dream. What do you think? Okay, do we have a dream? I can't beat that. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so what's the one thing you wish you would have known before you begin your career as a cellist? You know, the life of an artist is so, um, I think the healthiest way one brick at a time because, and one person at a time. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I'm glad I didn't know what the future held. I think the unknown has been very inspiring and uh, a very hopeful person uh, just innately. But um, I like the unknown because it makes me wanna reach out and try harder. I think if I had known, like people always ask me, what would you tell yourself back then that you would, that would make everything different? And I tell this story, so bear with me. But I was watching an actor's round table <clears throat> where it was Robert De Niro and Adam Sandler and, and Tom Hanks and a bunch of others. And they were going around, what would you say to yourself in your 20s? Well, in my 20s, I was coming into El Paso for music and a lot of other things. And they all kind of gave typical things like shave your money or invest in this or, you know, make sure to be kind to people or, you know, whatever. Um, and Tom Hanks said, I would tell myself, this too shall pass. You know, I, I gave the same speech at the Perlman concert because and they kind of all hem and hawed when he did that, this too shall pass. And he said, no, 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 no. I mean the positives. He said, you know, Everyone always goes, says this too shall pass when something bad is happening. Just don't worry in there, this too shall pass. But I would have told myself for the good things, this too shall pass. Please be grateful. Just enjoy the process because life is the process. And, and it's funny that I said that same thing. I said, everyone look around right now at, at each other at the Plaza Theater. I said, and realize that you're going to hear the greatest violinist that's ever walked the earth tonight in two minutes. And we're all together in this beautiful place that represents El Paso. And this is a, a, a life, a once in a lifetime opportunity. This too shall pass. So you just glow, bask in it and you'll never forget it. Little did I know that this too shall pass, that we haven't done anything since. And maybe that little speech of just being present and being real and being honest and follow your own dream and believe in yourself, you know, things like that. Maybe that's what I would say to myself. 
I wouldn't say, oh, do specific things because those things change all the time with, with the world. I came in here to El Paso Pro Musica uh, with just great hope that maybe um, I could make a difference. I had no idea what that meant. The reason why I wanted to do music is because I, it made me happy. And it, when I'm happy, it seemed to make other people happy. It's basic stuff. Um, it took a lot of hard work, but um, I guess I would say, follow your heart, follow your passion, believe in yourself, and this too shall pass. Wow. Would you like to answer that question, Philippa? Well, I will say this. You see famous people and you see musical artists and you see actors and actresses and such. And who are the ones we remember? We remember the ones who've touched lives. We remember the ones who've given of themselves to make a difference. Um, growing up in the musical world, there was a great cellist who was um, Catalan uh, named Pablo Casals. And growing up in a world where my father was from Spain and that was his mentor and that was his hero. And he stopped his career for about eight years to kind of protest what was happening in the world, the fascism in Spain, Nazi Germany. And he would play his cello for children who were in essence incarcerated. There was a, a fence in Prades in France and he would give them milk and he would play his cello for him. And that's what I was brought up thinking and knowing that you have to give of yourself. You can be given all the gifts in the world, but what good are they if you don't share them in the right way? And the one thing I've seen with Zul is that he will go to the food bank. He will play for the migrant children who are no longer in the arms of the parents. He will go to the hospital. And a lot of times we'll go to places like that and we'll walk out and he's quiet because it is such a retrospective moment because you're sharing a, the, your greatest gift in the greatest way you can. And I think with what artists can do today and those artists who've come to El Paso in the region through El Paso Pro Musica are like thinking. They're all educators. They all will do master classes. They will go into the barrio and play with the kids from the Tocando program who live in the projects who it's the first time that many of them have heard an instrument. Um, we were so fortunate to be able to take those children backstage to meet Itzhak Perlman. And it was incredible for me because he even said, oh, you meet fans and people a million times over, but children like that who are having an opportunity for the first time. And so that's what I think, and I've kind of said it before and I'm kind of a crybaby and such, but when you, my dad used to teach me and I think it's something to think about that, and he spoke Spanish was his first language, but he, the word heart, art is the big part of the word heart. And those artists, the biggest hearts are sharing their art from their heart. And with that said, that's the gift we have in El Paso, that we have 
that in our artistic director and the artists he shares with the rest of the community. So, Zul, who would you like to collaborate with and why? Before the end of time, I would like to play a concert with my family. My mom's a pianist, my, my sister's a violinist, and my dad's a clarinetist. I don't know if my father still plays the clarinet anymore the way he once did, probably not. But we never did that growing up. We, we never, you know, we all worked so hard during the day that like at five o'clock at dinner time, there was silence. There was no music in the house. We were so blown. The last thing we wanted to do was sit around and, and jam or play music. And, you know, I've had the opportunity recently to play with my sister, which is a bond that I'm the luckiest human being on earth to have uh, with a sibling. Um, and my mother has gone through quite a lot in the past few years and is, I'm so grateful she's here. Uh, I think that when, when this is all said and done, meaning when we can all get back together, I'm going to create a concert of the Baileys to play together and try to document it because that would break my heart. That's awesome. And also fill it. Yes, yes. Bring it full now, what is your favorite song to perform? And I hope you perform it. I perform <laughs> something. <laughs> well, you know, there's a, about 20 years ago, the most famous piece for cello was by Camille Sesson, a French composer, and it was titled The Swan. Because of the Catalonian Spanish cellist Pablo Casals, we now as cellists revere the Bach cello suites, the solo cello. They are considered our musical Bible. To honor my cello, which was built when Bach was eight years old and uh, in 1693, uh, and to play the first piece ever basically composed for the solo cello is a, an awakening and I played a lot. And so if I had to play a favorite song, um, it would be prelude number one in G major. And I'd be honored to play it for you today. Thank and you. This is, and this is what um, Pablo Casals was known for. This is what Yo-Yo Ma is known for. This is what Lynn Harrell is known for. Every cellist who really wants to give to their audience a sense of familiarity and peace and kind of hope plays this beautiful prelude in G major. And here it is. Thank you. 
by myself I get a little concert <laughs> from Zoom Bailey you can sense the passion and the heart in your playing and that's not the only reason why I'm having you here playing but you know <laughs> I really I really enjoyed it and I'm sure all of our listeners will enjoy it too so that, that was really beautiful. It's a reminder though that, that I think of all the art forms, there's something in music. It's like that X factor. You just can't, you just can't explain. It does something to us. Mm-hmm. And it does something different every time to us. And it's that, it's that, that thing that again, it gives the goosebumps and the thoughtfulness and the introspection. And I, I felt exactly, you know, what you can't see is, Right here to my left, the sun is coming through these beautiful textured windows, and and it's just it's 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 like a magic, magic bubble. So it was a perfect moment to play that for you. Wow! So. Thank you. Wow, that was such an honor. It does remind you, like, of going to those concerts, seeing people and hugging people, and that is a lot for me right now. It's a lot. So thank you. So with that being said, how can our community donate or find out more about El Paso Pro Musica? Well, all they have to do is go to eppn.org. And we have um, a wonderful page that we created which is just, you know, when we say the glass is half full, it was created in light of the pandemic and it's called Making Music Matter. And it features very special concerts, whether it's concerts of the past or concerts in someone's living room where they're actually just playing to play and to connect. And so there's a wonderful opportunities to watch some of the world's greatest artists, including Zool, whether it's the privacy of their own home or the privacy of the concert hall or wherever they may be. And so if those who may be interested in supporting our programs that not only provide educational outreach, but community engagement, they can go to eppm.org, watch one of those amazing concerts and 
donate at the same time and make that difference for our musical community and our future. Because like Sewell said, our future, our children, even with what he's doing with the UTEP Center for Arts Entrepreneurship, we're creating a new legacy, a new generation of not only music lovers, but those students who want to continue in careers in the arts in the 21st century. And it can happen and there's tools to learn and ways to do it. Anyone who makes a donation to El Paso Pro Music and Nomadder, how small or large is a donation again from the heart and will be making a difference for our future. Okay. One final question and I would like both of you all to answer it. At Talking Nonprofits, our goal is to connect nonprofits to the community. What is community to you? First thing that comes to mind is, is, is where you come from. Uh, your, your, your people, your friends, your family, uh, who you rely on through thick and thin, um, who you are there for through thick and thin. And as, I, as, I, as we started, the full circle is that I, I, this is El Paso is my community because it's where my heart is. It's where I belong. And um, the word community, that, that just comes along with it um, because how rare is it? Having, I've lived in a lot of cities, but how rare is it that everywhere I go in my city, in my community, I know people everywhere I go, whether it be the drugstore, the supermarket, um, a restaurant, driving down the street, we, we, we wave at each other. It, it, it is, it is, that goes back to, that's the, the sad part of, of this, this chapter is that we can't get out of our cars and talk to each other and be close. But, you know, the investment, uh, the work community has taken 20 years for me to understand. And I hope it's another 20 or 30 years because it's, every year it gets better and better. So I grew up in Los Angeles. I moved here when I was about 10, 11. And El Paso is home because um, it's where I got all of my foundations, whether it's my family, high school, uh, El Paso High, UTEP. Um, you have amazing teachers that steer you in the direction that will always be so positive for each other and um, reaching out. And even what our nonprofit mantra is, is not only are we making music matter, we're making music accessible to all. And so I think the definition of community is all, the entire community, the whole. Sometimes people will think that maybe classical music is not attainable, not touchable. It's for a different center of the masses. But it, if you just heard to the first box wait right now, a child will stop what they're doing to listen to that. Uh, someone in a hospital, someone in a concert hall, wherever it is. And that's what I think community is. It's all. And what we do with El Paso Pro Musica is for all. It becomes one big hug. And that's a community. Whether we can do it physically or now 
virtually. I love it. So thank you guys for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your passion and the music and I feel like, you know, if I could give you guys a hug, I would, but um, I just, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that you guys took time out to be on the podcast today. So thank you. Thank you for a wonderful afternoon. Thank you, Philippa, as well. Thank you. Join me each week to learn about a nonprofit's journey by subscribing to Talking Nonprofit, wherever you receive your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And as always, if you have any questions or would like to be featured on the show, send a note via the contact form on our website. Until next time, be the difference.